Turning your Bibles to John chapter 10. John 10. Uh, we'll be looking this morning at a, a familiar passage. Um, John 10. You should find it if you're using one of the hardback Bibles. You should find it on page 896. Uh, while you're turning there, let me just give you a heads up of, of where we're going in case you didn't see the email uh, this past week. Um, but uh, as we've mentioned before, we're on that path to particularization. That's fancy PCA language for uh, have our own elders, our own church officers, be our own independent congregation. So we're on that path. And as, as part of that path, uh, there will come a time when we as a body will elect uh, elders and perhaps deacons as well. Um, and so uh, it seems fitting to spend... Uh, several weeks preaching through passages that deal with the office of elder and deacon. So that's uh, where we're headed over the next uh, five or six weeks or so. Uh, This passage would have made perfect, complete sense in Jesus' context. It makes some sense in ours, the, the, more, the larger the city in which you live, the less, in some cases, uh, the, the imagery makes sense to you. For, for many, the idea of watching sheep is not a foreign concept. In many places, they would say, I don't even know what a sheep is, but around here, that's not a completely foreign concept. John 10 Beginning in verse 1, let me ask that you stand as we read God's Word together. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens... The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. 
No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word stands forever. Let's pray together. We pray our great God and our King uh, that you would grant us your spirit now to hear and know and understand this, your word, that has been kept and preserved for us. Use it to conform us to Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Years ago, when Nancy and I were dating, uh, she had, there was a, a family friend of theirs uh, in, in Greenville, out near Furman. Uh, they had a couple of sheep. Uh, I, I come to think of it, never really understood why, or, or I'm not even sure I ever asked, uh, but there were times when we would go uh, visit these Friends and my great goal was to play with their sheep. I don't think I ever touched them. I, you know, would get out of the car and and go straight to the sheep and try to call them. And I tried everything I could muster, every sound, every noise, every come here, every whistle, and they never came. They hid in their little shelter. Thing. I'm not sure I ever touched those sheep. Their chocolate lab olive was quite the opposite, of course, but their sheep I never, ever got to pet. You know, you want to you just go roll around with them. You want to just... I, I never got that. It's pretty disappointing, to be honest with you. I think in some, reason, some ways... This passage tells us why. Uh, the reason is because that's a scary guy trying to come over here and touch us. We, we don't know him. We, I didn't, we visited a couple of times. I didn't, they didn't know me. It's not like I was spending days and days there. It's not like I lived with them. They, they had no idea who I was. I wasn't their shepherd. I wasn't a voice they recognized. So I, in that sense, this passage tells us Exactly why I don't think I ever was able to pet those sheep. We see in this passage, notice as, as Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd, he first gives us a picture of bad or false shepherds. One of the ways we recognize the good is by also recognizing the bad. In order to have a, a better picture of the good shepherd and the character of Christ as our shepherd, he gives us this image, this picture of what a, a bad shepherd would be, a false shepherd would be. Already you realize that the outline's flawed, right? There is no bad shepherd, there's no false shepherd. I mean, the two terms don't go together. You're either a shepherd or you're not. So I, I realize I'm using a term that can't technically exist, I suppose, but it makes sense. A, a bad or false 
shepherd. Jesus is actually accusing the Pharisees of being those false shepherds. He's actually making the accusations that you Pharisees, those of you of the Jewish religious order that have been given the responsibility and authority to care for the Jews, the people of Israel, to to guard and shepherd and teach and instruct them, they are in this in this imagery, they are the false shepherd. You find this in chapter 9. We don't have time to preach both chapters. I'll summarize the story. Essentially, there's a, a man born blind in chapter 9. Jesus heals him, but Jesus heals him on the Sabbath. And in part, in response to that healing, the Pharisees thought it right and fitting and appropriate to throw the man out of the synagogue. Because Jesus is not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. You can look back at verse 22, for example, of chapter 9. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. The Jews has already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. So this man who comes in and saying and says, look, all I know is that I was born blind and now I see. And they said, how? And he said, that man did it, pointing to Jesus. Their response then was to, to throw him out of the synagogue, to kick him out, to, to dismiss him. If you're going to trust in Christ, if you're gonna, going to, to, to follow this Jesus, then we have no choice but to put you out of the synagogue. And that's part of the point. The Pharisees were more committed to the law than they were to the gospel. They were more committed to Moses than they were to Jesus. They were more committed to to aspects of the Old Testament law that that they failed to see connected them to, to Christ. Those laws should have pointed them to Jesus and instead they said well no that's not Moses so you must be wrong and they threw this man out of the synagogue Jesus takes this idea of false bad shepherds these thieves and robbers these people who come in and pretend to care for the sheep and then as soon as things get difficult, they run away, right? When, when danger rears its ugly head, they turned and fled. They ran away. Jesus is comparing them not just, not just to bad and false shepherds, but he's, he's very clearly reminding them of Ezekiel 34, where the kingly line of David, the descendants of David, those, those kings that would sit on the throne of Israel, had failed to shepherd the people of Israel properly, biblically well. They, they had not cared for the people of Israel. And, and Ezekiel 34 reminds us there is a true shepherd coming. There's one who will be the good and right and true shepherd if you've listen to Handel's Messiah, you've sung the lines of Ezekiel 34, whether you realize it or not. He will lead his flock like a shepherd. The Pharisees, the people who 
were supposed to be who thought they were right, who had gone over and above the law of Moses to create enough laws to make themselves look good and were right in in their care for the people of Israel have been compared to bad, false shepherds and, quite honestly, to the wicked, evil king's descendants of, of David. Jesus is reminding them. Thieves, thieves climb the fence to get in. Robbers have to, to scale the wall to get in. Thieves and, and false shepherds, the people who aren't supposed to be there, you can see them sort of ducking from shrub to shrub as they gradually approach the pen in hopes of getting in. They're, they're not supposed to be there. They're not... They're, They're outsiders. They're foreigners. That's not where they're supposed to be. These Pharisees are those thieves and robbers. Those false, bad, wicked, evil shepherds. The hired hand, verse 12. When danger gets difficult, when when a wolf shows up and my life is now in danger. The hired hand cares more for himself than he does for the sheep, the flock. And so there's this, this image, this reminder of false, wicked, evil shepherds. But then he also shows us that he is himself the good shepherd. You think about what, what do you expect from a, a good shepherd? What do, you, what do you expect from someone who, who is supposed to be the one to care for this flock of sheep? There's sheep in the pen. And, and what do you expect of a shepherd who, who cares for those sheep? Notice we're told in this passage that he, he knows his sheep. He knows who they are. Notice in verse 4 we get that sense Already, when he has brought out all his own, there's this idea of, of there are sheep that belong to this shepherd. And he takes them, he shows up in the morning and gets them out of the pen and he takes them out to, to, to feed them and lead them to, to pasture and water and things, food and, and water and whatnot. He gets his own, verse 4. We see it down in verse 11. I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's, there's this notion that he's, he's laying, willing to lay down his life for those sheep. And then again in verse 16, he, he knows his sheep, but in those verses, he knows them generally. He knows who belong to him. He knows them from a, a general sense. Clearly, a shepherd's no good if he doesn't know which sheep he's supposed to care for. And so, John 10 Reminds us, Jesus reminds us that he knows his sheep, he knows them generally, but he also knows them specifically, verse 3. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The, the practice then would have been that numerous flocks were kept in one pen overnight. And so shepherds would show up in the morning, they would announce themselves to the gatekeeper, the guy who was, was watching these flocks overnight, and 
And the gatekeeper would let him in, would open the door, and he would call out his flock, his sheep. And he called them by name. He knew them not just generally, but he also knew them specifically. He knows details about them. He recognizes the the different color on their face. He recognizes um, uh, who knows what, all these details about his sheep. He knows He knows things very specific about them. That's quite the opposite of those horrifying words that we don't want to hear when Christ returns. Depart from me, I never knew. There's there's comfort in the fact that the Good Shepherd, that Christ as the Good Shepherd knows His sheep. He knows them generally and He knows them Specifically, but he doesn't just know them, he also leads them. Verse 3 He comes in, he calls them, he calls the sheep by name, and then he leads them out. I guess there are basically two ways to get sheep to go where you want them to go. I guess you could walk in front of them and call them and lead them, and they follow you if they know you and trust you. I suppose you could get behind them and drive them where you want them to go and and sort of push them and force them that way. I I guess those are the two ways of of getting sheep to go where you want them. And here, it was the practice there. The shepherd walked in front of his sheep. He led, he talked, he sang, and they knew his voice and they followed joyfully, even eagerly. Jesus leads his sheep out of that pen. We, we sang that and we read it just a few minutes ago in Psalm 23. He, he leads us beside quiet waters. He leads us to green pastures. He leads us where we can find food and drink and nourishment. He leads us where we can find safety and protection and, and for our physical and spiritual health. There's a, a picture there. We, we pray the Lord's Prayer. We pray that He would forgive us of our sins and that He would give us our daily bread. Two things that this good shepherd can do for his sheep. Both of them are touched on here in this passage. As he, as he leads these sheep out of the pen and out into green pastures and beside quiet waters. Good Shepherd also doesn't just know his sheep and doesn't just lead his sheep. He also protects his sheep. When danger comes, when the wolf glides out of the woods, as soon as danger shows itself to these sheep, he, rather than running away, he protects them. You, you read in the account of David and his fighting bears and lions and with his slingshot to save and guard and protect his little flock. Jesus protects His sheep from the dangers of wickedness out there. That's what the rod and staff are for, as we read and saying just a few minutes ago. You know, there, there are things in, in Scripture that you, from time to time you think these two things don't go together. These two things don't seem to, uh, to fit together. Or this this biblical truth doesn't fit with 
the, the notions of the world, the meek shall inherit the earth. That's completely contrary to, to anything the world around you will tell you. Not be meek, but go fight and kill people and step on them to get what you want. The strong inherit the earth. Scripture, however, says the meek inherit the earth. Here, God's wisdom and man's wisdom don't seem to make much sense. Look at verse 11. They don't fit together. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Do you remember the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Do you remember when Aslan, when the White Witch was convinced Aslan was dead on that stone table? Aslan had volunteered to take Edmund's place. Edmund was supposed to die as a traitor. Aslan said, I'm taking his place. And his death was supposed to be to satisfy the demands of the White Witch in place of anyone else. Do you remember what the White Witch did when she, as soon as she was convinced that, that Aslan was dead on that stone table? She took off after all the rest of the, the good people. If Aslan's dead, they have no protector, I can kill them, the White Witch thinks. Let's attack them now while their protector is dead. That's the way you and I think. We read this, and the good shepherd dies for his sheep. Wouldn't that mean they have no protector? I mean, the world's wisdom would tell you that doesn't make any sense, because if he dies, then now the sheep are are in in greater danger. They have no one to protect them, no one to care for them, no one to watch out for them. Jesus says, actually, it is my death that saves them. It is my death that gives them abundant life. Verse 10. I've come to give them life and have it abundantly, and it's in that connection, it's in the very next sentence, I lay down my life for them. Part of what makes Jesus a good shepherd is that He died for His sheep. Is that He gave His life for us. It's His death that gives us life. It's His his death that saves us. It's His death that redeems us. He gives His life for His sheep. We benefit from this, we Gentiles, we who are not Jewish by birth, we who are outsiders, we benefit from this. He's, he's told us that already in verse 16. There are other sheep that are not of this fold, and I have to bring them in. I have to get them into this fold, and they will know my voice. They will hear my voice. You and I are beneficiaries of that. You and I have benefited from the promise of John 10, 16. Christ dies to save the church. Christ dies to make the church His flock. 
In fact, the beauty of the gospel is that the good shepherd died precisely so that the sheep won't have to. The good shepherd died precisely so that his sheep wouldn't have to. Okay, yeah, we, we may, we probably will have to face the first death, the physical death, but we won't have to face that second death. The, the far more serious death. We're delivered from the second death because by the blood of the good shepherd who's taken our place. His death spares our lives. His, our lives are rescued at His expense. So it's precisely because He lays down His life that you and I live. But there's a, a, a third thing we see in this passage. Not just the bad, false shepherds. Not just the good shepherds. But He also gives us a glimpse into temporary shepherds. This may sound, I guess, somewhat contradictory um, in some ways. Jesus promised never to leave us nor forsake us, and yet He's not on the earth now. Those two things are not in conflict with each other. But there's a time coming, the promise is made here in John 10. There's a, a time coming when He won't be with us. He won't be on the earth with His people we admit this in the Apostles' Creed. We, we, where is Jesus, Jesus now? He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's in heaven. He's physically there and not here on the earth. First Peter 5 speaks of a time when the chief shepherd will return. So there's this, there's this absence of the shepherd. There's a time when the shepherd, the good shepherd, is absent physically, in physical present form, from His sheep. So what do we do with that dark time? Well, actually, this passage causes this passage calls it night time. There's a, a time in, at night when the shepherd would come and return his sheep to the fold at the end of the day and give them a place where they could sleep safely. And while the shepherd went home to sleep, the gatekeeper had care for the flocks in the pen. And he would literally sleep just inside the door. He placed himself between danger on the outside and the safety inside that pen. And the gatekeeper, the, the doorkeeper, would only open for the shepherds that were supposed to come and get the sheep in the morning. There's a, a time when Christ gives care of the flock over to temporary shepherds. Who has charge of the flock while Christ is away? Well, it's, it's temporary shepherds. It's gatekeepers. It's this, these who, who care for the sheep in the physical absence of the one true shepherd. We see that pictured a little bit for us in John 14 when He promises to give us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will point us to Christ, will lead us in truth, He will lead us in all things and, and guard and protect us. But this also has implications for the men we will elect as elders. Verse 8. 
He gives us men to care for the sheep in the physical absence of the shepherd. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep didn't listen to them. But there's this notion of the prophets of Moses, of David, of Isaiah, of John the Baptist, of others who are like the gatekeeper, who have come uh, when the, the, the true shepherd, the good shepherd, is not physically present with his people. Those who come and care more for themselves, more for their own safety, more for their own good, more for their own rightness, they are thieves and robbers, verses 1 and 2 remind us. But there are those who enter properly through the door, who care for the sheep in the physical absence of the shepherd. Jesus shows us in John 10 the the bad, wicked, false shepherds, the good shepherd, and then a picture of temporary shepherds. How do we apply this passage to us? Let me just make a couple of applications. First, some of you may be here this morning and have no idea who the shepherd is. Maybe you you come in this morning and say, I I have no idea what you mean by the good shepherd. I don't have any idea what you mean by someone who's laid down his life for the sheep. Maybe you you come because it's Sunday and, and we live in the South and that's what Southerners do on Sunday. Um, your greatest need is to hear the voice of the, of the shepherd. Your greatest need is to hear the voice of Jesus Christ, your Savior, in this passage and to run and trust in Him. Listen for that voice. The, the shepherd who has suffered and died, bled for you to satisfy the demands of the law, to... to to endure the punishment of, of divine wrath and divine justice so that you might not have to. If you're here this morning and, and you have no idea who the shepherd is, that's the voice you need to listen for. That's the voice you need to respond to. Second application, maybe some of you struggle sometimes with differentiating between the voice of the shepherd and the voice of a wolf. Maybe there are times when you, when you wrestle with, I, I can't distinguish one voice from another. There was a time when we were making a, a, one of our family vacations somewhere, and uh, it seems like there are always many, many, many hour-long drives, and uh, you, you put movies in. Um, not for the kid's sanity, but for yours as the driver. Um, I, I don't know that I ever saw any of those movies. I was always driving, and, and, and there was all these movies played. So I'm listening to movies. That, there was this time during one of Disney Pixar movies, and Nancy turned to me and said, Is that? We couldn't see the screen. We don't know, you know, I, I don't even remember what the movie was. I mean, it was an animated Disney thing, so we wouldn't have seen the person anyway. I mean, we have no idea. But she turned and said, is that, like, she recognized the voice. That voice sounds familiar. Is that? Now, John Ratzenberger's voice, you know, right? You've, 
He's been on Cheers. He's been in every Pixar movie. That voice stands out. This one, we, we weren't quite sure, but it sounded familiar. It sounded like something I was supposed to recognize. We do that sometimes. We hear voices from people around us. We hear voices from, from songs on the radio. We hear voices from the news. We hear voices from... And we, we struggle. Wait, is that the voice of the shepherd or is that the voice of the wolf? Who's speaking in what I'm listening to now? There's encouragement here that we as Christ's sheep would learn to recognize His voice. Would so commit ourselves to studying His voice that anything that's not His voice would be obvious to us. Would so commit ourselves to knowing and understanding and recognizing His voice in His Word, that anything that's not that would be obvious to us. A third and final application. Under-shepherds, elders, temporary shepherds, should be men who will grab the hands of sheep and take us directly to Jesus. You notice the Holy Spirit is giving as, given to us as a helper. He's given to us as, as, as one who will care for us and watch over and provide for us. And You know, He never, ever in Scripture turns the spotlight on Himself. He grabs the spotlight and he shines it on Jesus and says, look at him. That, that's why, by the way, I'm skeptical of, of the Spirit-filled movement stuff. The, the Spirit in the Bible never actually takes the spotlight and shines it on himself. He always shines it on Jesus. Under shepherds. The men who we would elect to be elders at this congregation, at Grace Covenant Church, should be men who will do that who will grab arms, link arms with you, grab hands with you, and run to the cross together and lead and care for you, not after themselves, but after Christ. Because He is our one true good shepherd. Let's pray together. Our great God and our King, we thank You that You have given us our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank You that You have sent Your Son to suffer and bleed and die in our place. To firmly plant Himself between us and the wrath that is to come and take that wrath for us. Father, we pray that You would teach us to hear His voice. That You would teach us to know His voice. To recognize His voice. That we would study His voice so that anything that wasn't His voice would sound off pitch to us and make us cringe. Father, we pray that You would raise up men to serve this congregation, to serve Christ 
as temporary under-shepherds, subject to the one true good shepherd, in whose name we pray. Amen.